Ladies and gentlemen, it's April 17th. It's Friday. Welcome to episode 17 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. It's been over a month since I did an episode. The last episode I did was on March 11th, which was a Wednesday, and it was the day before everything got canceled in the world. Um, and so much stuff has happened since then in the world and in, you know, Chalk Dinosaur world as well. Um, uh, yeah, so what has happened since then in the Chalk Dinosaur world? We'll start there. Um, I made the theme song. I got commissioned to do my first two game theme songs, um, one of them has not been released yet. Uh, I really like the song I made for that one. And then one of them did get released. It was a game called Virus Popper. Uh, it was like an educational virtual reality game. And the company that made it was the company that found my song Starblazer. Um, because they had a game called Starblazer and they found the song and got in touch and wanted to use it in their game. So that kind of started the relationship. And then they actually hired me to make a song for their, their next two games, which was great because that has been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, I even started making hypothetical game music um, over the years, um, trying to kind of build a portfolio. Um, I even went so far as to create the storyline and all the levels for a hypothetical game called Cotton Candy Mountain. And I was going to make the music for each level of the game. Um, but yeah, I only made the first level and <laughs> I, I have not prioritized that project. So it's been many years and so far I have, I have one song, Cotton Candy Mountain, level one or world, world one, level one or something. Um, still on the to-do list of the eventual to-do list, make a, like an eight bit style album. So virus popper, it's a VR game. Um, it's like an arcade style game, but also integrates like, uh, CDC recommendations for hygiene and, um, kind of social distancing stuff, like all these elements of what, what's being recommended. Those are like implemented in the game in different ways. And they were trying to put this game out and, and make it really fast. Um, and... They got in touch with me to see if I would make a theme song for it. And so I did, and the first version I sent them was way too dark. Uh, I realized it after <laughs> I sent it, and they, gave, they got back to me, and they, they were like, yeah, this is great, but um, we were looking for something 
like light hearted and uh just like light and and good feeling and uh the thing i sent them was very dramatic and kind of like apocalyptic sounding i think it had something to do with what was going on uh at the time but then I, I took another crack at it and they liked the second version that i sent them or no the second version yeah it was more on the right track but uh they wanted voc vocals um they really liked the vocoder sound of starblazer and the vocoder that i did in the other theme song i wrote for them which hasn't been released yet so i I did a third revision and this time I, it had vocals in it, like vocoder, which vocoder is you, you speak into a microphone and you like hook it up to a synthesizer and then it, it sounds like a synthesizer voice. Um, so yeah, Daft Punk uses vocoders a lot. It's different than a talk box. A talk box is what Peter Frampton used, uh, or, zap or um it's the thing with the tube that goes in your mouth completely different sound completely different mechanism um vocoder is much easier and less uh less intrusive and, and like less of a hassle to use um anyway i don't want to get too technical about that stuff it was a good challenge though to try and come up with words for uh, a game like that virus popper um so that was a fun exercise and I, i'm happy that they liked what i came up with and i'm really happy that they released it it's on spotify now and it comes up under the chalk dinosaur discography which is really great because i was you know i really liked what i came up with and um i was kind of sad handing it over because i was you know i wanted to share it and um so then when i saw that it got released on spotify i was very happy about that and um yeah hopefully they'll do the same thing with the next game that i made the theme song for and i, I really like that one and i yeah hopefully that'll become available on spotify in the future i'm not sure when that game's coming out it's a it's another like arcade style vr game uh virtual reality where you, I don't know if you ever played the game on the calculator, Uncle Worm, where you control a worm and you, you like eat dots, these dots, and the more dots you eat, the, the longer the worm gets and the harder it is to kind of not eat yourself. So it's kind of a, a variation of that game, but in 3D and controlled with your body instead of with, uh, you know, arrows on a, calculator so anyway coming up with words for a song like that was a fun challenge too and i'm pretty happy with words that i came up with that i actually actually like them and feel like they say something that's kind of applicable to uh life and not just the worm game <laughs> so uh that was fun and so I was very lucky and grateful that I had the opportunity, one, 
to even just have work to do, like paying work to do, um, after everything closed. Um, and also very grateful to have the opportunity to do something for a game, which is something I've always wanted to do. And this kind of gets my feet wet and gives me a little bit of a, you know, starts to build a little bit of a portfolio. So hopefully, um, hopefully I can do more in the future. It's a really fun task, especially when I, this was a lucky scenario because the creators of the game are, they like chalk dinosaur music. And when they were giving me direction for what kind of song they wanted for the game, they pretty much just, they referenced one of my songs, star blazer. And they said, we want something like that. So it's definitely a lot easier to write something in the style of yourself than to uh, emulate, um, you know, some somebody that might be not quite you. <clears throat> so that was cool. Um, I'll post a link to the song and, and the game and their company and, and stuff like that. I'll, I'll post that stuff in the show notes. So, yeah, two game theme songs. That was the first thing that, that I did after everything kind of closed down. Um, and then I released an album called Peace. And this is a collaboration between me and my cousin, Bobby Foster. And um, we've been kind of putting these together since 2015. And it's completely different than anything in in the catalog it's it's like a meditative album pretty uh pretty ambient all of the music kind of just us channeling the most pleasant uh and peaceful sounds that we could and it's not you know just uh it's a little bit more than just like droning um because it, it does involve a lot of drones um synthesizer drones and pads and uh, kind of these ambient luscious backgrounds. And then my cousin Bobby is, uh, he got really into indigenous flutes. And, um, so over it's, it's kind of a combination of synthesizers and indigenous flutes. And, uh, he's, he's really good at that and can play these really nice wooden flutes, um, with really great expression and, um, I really like the the I, I really like the music that came out of it. Now it's a very it's a much more specific type of music, so you know, for anybody going into that album kind of looking for regular music, like stuff with a beat and stuff with the groove, that is not what that is. Peace is an album for relaxing and kind of calming. Uh, and it, it always does that for me. It, it really puts me in a calm uh, space. And so I think people that are looking for that will be really into that album and people that are not looking for that will, they'll just have to skip over that one. But um, I was really happy to, to finally put those out. It felt like the right time to release some, calming and peaceful stuff amidst all of the anxiety and 
kind of societal stress and worry. So that's a free album. It's available everywhere. Um, okay, and then when everything closed, um, I wanted to release some fundraiser albums because there were so many people that the the job that they you know relied on was no longer uh, available because things were closed and no you know for an indefinite amount of time so i felt like i wanted to try and do something to help and how could i use my music production uh, capacity to do something and so I, the first album that I put out um, was called Service, and that came out on March twenty, March twenty sixth, I think. Yeah, March twenty sixth, and Service, it's called Service because um, all of the sales uh, are donated to service industry workers in my life, in my community. So if you are interested in buying that album, uh, it's available at chalkdinosaur.com. And it just, uh, it seemed like one thing I could do um, to kind of, you know, I wanted to be able to donate more money to these places and people, but, you know, I don't have that much money to give, but it gave me the idea of, you know, well, maybe releasing an album would be a way to kind of collect money from, from people who, you know, were, were doing well and thought, um, you know, wanted to get new music and also support the community in some way. And, uh, yeah, it's three songs. One of the songs features a guitar solo from John Henderson, who is the guitar player in the live band. And yeah, these three songs, one of them was a project. The, the first track on the album, electric friends, that was, that was a track that I made in November. It just didn't have, there was no fitting place for it. Um, you know, I was going to probably make some more tracks like it and then release an album of that style. But um, I figured, well, now seems like a good time to just package it up and release it. And I made two more songs uh, on the album. And yeah, it was just a short one, just a way to exchange music for for money and then have money to donate and uh so far i've been able to raise about somewhere between eight and nine hundred dollars uh so pretty su pretty successful um it's it's like a a drop in the bucket but you know, it's better than nothing, and it's it's making 
somewhat of a positive impact. It's not making a negative impact. <laughs> it's helping. And uh, even if it's just a little bit, I'm hoping that there will be other people helping and the cumulative um, help from everybody will help uh, kind of, will just uh, help hold the community together. And so that was one of the fundraiser albums, Service. And as I, as I was finishing that one up, I was thinking about wanting to do another one specifically for the Rex Theater because they have, uh, they've gone out of their way, Ben Pentagar and Gray Area and the Rex Theater, they've, they've gone out of their way to help me and my band uh, on several occasions, um, they've always been such strong supporters and, and very encouraging and helpful. And I saw a post that Ben Pentagar made about, you know, he set up the Rex Theater Employee Staff Relief Fund uh, because, you know, all of their staff had to be laid off because the Rex Theater is just inoperational at this point because you know there's no shows and and ben who he's just uh done an amazing job raising money to make sure that he can take care of his employees during this time um he started early and uh i wanted to do something to help and so i got together with the band nick O'Halloran, my brother, Andrew Belcastro, the bass player, and John Henderson, the guitar player, they uh, they helped put together all these ideas, and um, the result was some really cool music that is way different than anything we've made before, and it was the fastest album cycle I've ever had it was about two weeks from when we laid the first brick to when it was released and that was that was a really interesting experience um but yeah 100 percent of sales from that album which is called with you is going to the rex theater staff relief fund and so far raised about 900 bucks uh, I think it's been a week. It's, it's definitely tapered off now. I haven't done a great job of of getting it out there. But um, yeah, just another one of those things. It's like it doesn't begin to really fix the problem, but it it helps uh, move the needle in the right direction, hopefully. And hopefully, you know, other people are you know, combined with other people's support and contributions, it'll be, it'll have, you know, a big cumulative effect, hopefully. And maybe, you know, I've, I've seen some other people have started doing um, similar things, kind of, um, kind of trying to help each other, which is, is nice to see. So, yeah, the recording process for that album was great because 
it was so fast and fresh. It was great. Um, we, we got together upstairs, uh, me, Nick and Andrew, who I live with and kind of plugged, plugged our instruments in and just started jamming a little bit. And then as soon as we came upon something that was cool that we liked, we just immediately recorded that, um, you know, like a loop of it and just like kind of started mapping out the sections. And so it, it came together, uh, really fast and it felt really good to be making music on that, at that speed, like right on the cusp of the creativity. Um, and then we would leave sections uh, open. We, we would create sections in the song like, okay, this will be John's Henderson's section. And then we would send, we would send over a version of the song with the space left for John. And then he would add his stuff to it. <clears throat> and then for, for one of the songs, uh, the title track with you, John had sent over a voice memo of an idea it was that main melody um, and, and chord progression. He sent that over. And then, um, and then I, I took that idea and added some, some additional sections, sent it back to him to add um, another solo over one of the new sections. And then, yeah, that was how that one came together. That was a John idea that I helped to flesh out and then peace of mind the last song on the album that was a song that nick wrote uh and he I, i'm not exactly sure when he had written that i think it was a couple years ago actually but we started to record it in october and um he he wrote the verses and then i wrote the chorus and, uh, and so Nick sings and wrote the, the core or the, uh, the verses, the lyrics and the vocals. And then I did the vocals and the lyrics for the chorus and, um, some of the, I think when, when Nick brought the song to me, it was, he had a rhythm guitar part and he had a guitar melody and then I added some slide guitar melodies and and we worked together to kind of arrange it into a, figure out like a song structure for it. So yeah, that was an idea from Nick and um, it was, yeah, it was just really nice to be able to get through a project that fast because... I have a, a difficult time sitting on ideas for too long because when you first come up with an idea that you like, you have this energy and kind of momentum. You're excited about something that you're hearing, something that you came up with. Um, but 
Well, okay. So you have this excitement about something that, an idea that you have. And I found it's definitely best to take that idea as far as you can when you have that feeling and when it's fresh and that the idea is like inspired in that moment. Um, go as far as you can with it. Uh, as soon, you know, in that initial couple hours or couple days, just like try to finish it. And, um, so many of my favorite songs and stuff, that's how they came together. Just 90% in one session. And I, I have always found it to be challenging to, you know, get 40 to 50% into a song, be excited about it, and then not do anything with it for a while. And then having to come back to it later and tr trying to get back into the mindset and the, the inspired state that you were in when you came up with the initial idea. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's really hard to recapture that energy. And um, so whenever possible, I like to just cruise through the, the writing and get as far as I can, as fast as I can, because you can always rework something, but you can't always recapture the feeling of inspiration that you have when you are excited about something that's coming together. And that's kind of the deal that I would make with myself to, to have the decisiveness to make choices about a song. Like, it's very easy to be indecisive about how to structure a song, what melody to use, like, is this good enough? Uh, the deal that I would make with myself is just make a choice. You can come back to it and change it later. And most of the time, that never happens. It, the, the initial iteration of it is many times the one that is ends up being like the best and um when i sit on ideas for too long and think about them too much it can become very easy to get caught up in just over tweaking overthinking which is you know the enemy of uh creativity for me is overthinking and, and getting too perfectionistic about things, too perfectionistic about things and becoming kind of like immobilized by thinking too much about, you know, could this be better? Could that be better? Obviously there's a balance there because you want to make something as good as it can be, but you also at the same time you have to be able to let go of things. Uh, otherwise, you'll keep working on the same song. You, you could keep working on it for years and years and, and never be happy with it, and then no one will ever get to hear it. <clears throat> and then you'll be st stuck um, continuing to put all this time into this idea and not really making much progress on it. There's definitely a point of diminishing returns when it comes to uh, tweaking an idea so finding that 
golden zone where like just honing the awareness of, okay, uh, of, of reaching that point of diminishing returns and then moving on when you hit that, that's a, that's an ongoing, um, kind of skill or ability that uh, is ongoing, trying to, you know, always trying to get better at realizing when I've reached a point, um, where something is, where I'm forcing something and it's not really beneficial anymore. Um, so it was really cool to work on that album with you and to do it so fast because, well, it was, you know, there was a, a very crystal clear uh, purpose and vision for for that album in in my head. You know, I wanted to put together a small album as fast as possible that I could use as a fundraiser for the Rex Theater. And the re- I got the help from the rest of the band who contributed their ideas and time. So thank you guys for that. Definitely couldn't have done that one without you. And having that clear vision and sense of purpose for putting it together made the decision-making a lot easier. Um, you know, it made it a lot easier to avoid getting perfectionistic about things. And, you know, it's not a perfect album. That's for sure. None are, I guess. And that's not really the goal. It's just that the process is fun. And, um, kind of completing ideas is fun and hearing these new ideas take shape is fun and getting you know getting to do it at that pace was a good experience so I definitely noticed a big difference in the writing and you know mixing and just the whole production process when there was kind of a a clear goal and vision in mind. And I've noticed the same thing with my TV composing work or with like these video game songs that I did. When there's a clear vision and purpose and direction, um, it comes together a lot easier and a lot faster. I've always kind of wondered about it, you know, like, for the TV composing work, um, I've probably made uh, like a thousand tracks for for TV of all different styles, and those come together really quickly, really easily. In a lot of not always easily, but you know, I don't have a choice to deliberate on small details for a long amount of time because. The longer I take, the less like worth it it is for, for me to do. I'm trying to do it, you know, as fast as possible. I'm not overly attached to the ideas because they're not going to be, you know, chalk dinosaur related. They're just products for TV. <laughs> so I'm not attached to them, or I try not to be. The decisions are are much easier to make. And as a result, um, the output is you know, I can make stuff really fast when I'm not 
overly perfectionistic or attached. And a lot of times the results sound really good. Like I really like what comes out of that. And it's been kind of perplexing that I can make three good ideas, good song, like completed song ideas for, you know, the commercial work in like one day. And then I could, it could take me months, even years to finish a song for Chalk Dinosaur. It's really interesting how much different it feels when I'm writing with attach, like a strong attachment to what I'm doing. And when I have no direction uh, and no vision for what I'm trying to do, like with the TV and the video game stuff, like there's a clear direction. Like we need this, like this is what we want. So then I can, every choice I make can be directed towards that, that vision. And that makes, that makes it uh, a lot easier. And, you know, I've tried, well, I guess I haven't tried that that much. No, I have. Um, I was like, well, why don't I do that for my own music uh, and just like come up with a, a vision and a direction and, and make something and set my own guidelines. Because a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll just be making music completely aimlessly, um, you know, with no, yeah, just completely open-ended. And that can definitely lead to some cool things, but a lot of times it can be uh, challenging. That's probably one of the reasons why it can take a lot longer for me to make Chalk Dinosaur music than it it, it probably should. And um, so one of the albums I did that was uh, Crystal Coast. That was an album that was, it's like a tropical vintage surf and like exotica album inspired by you know surf music and uh quote exotica music like arthur arthur lyman and hawaiian steel guitar music and um so i had a very clear vision of what kind of album i wanted to make I wanted it to be all really positive, happy, beachy music. And every decision I made went into that vision, you know, was, was guided by that vision. Um, you know, I wanted it to be like a, a vintage, just like a very pleasant album with, uh, you know, best vibes possible. And that was, that made it easy to make decisions on that group of songs. Um, did it serve that vision? Yes or no. And then just do the things that serve that, that, that vision. And that album came together very quickly. I started working on that right after I released Bounce, which was, I think in August of 2017. And then started working on this beach vintage surf album and I released that in November, I think. So that was like, that was, that was fast. Nowhere near as fast as this last album with you, but 
Um, yeah, so that was one instance where I kind of set guidelines to follow. I should do that more. Dawn was like that too. All of the songs were in the chill wave kind of retro 80s style. Uh, and that was that came together really quickly too because there was a very clear direction. I'm trying to think what else was like that. Those are the two main ones, but it's something I would like to try more concept album with a clear direction. It just makes it easier to make decisions. And that's something I also, you know, I want to develop that kind of vision and target direction and purpose, whatever you want to describe it as with my professional career as a whole, because like with music production, there are a million different ways you can go. Uh, and everybody seems to have their own unique path. So I feel like the majority of the struggle is just figuring out what path, you know, well, one, what direction you want to go. And then I guess once you know what direction you want to go, what kind of, once you have some kind of target insight, you can find a way there. But if you don't have any kind of direction or target and you're just kind of wandering, um, it can begin to get frustrating uh, or discouraging or you can run into some some issues there so i wanted to talk a little bit and this is obviously might be might be tired of, of hearing about this but i wanted to at least be on, get this recorded of of what the experience has been like so far from my perspective with this past month and a half and the coronavirus outbreak because i mean this is a very historic time and in 10 years 20 years it will probably be you know i'll probably have forgotten a, a lot about the details of what life was like during this so i wanted to record that just to kind of for my own uh, interest listening listening back later <clears throat> because yeah so the timeline yeah that, that was that's important because things accelerated at it was really crazy once things hit a certain point the acceleration um, we played in Chicago on January 24th. It was a great show. Uh, coronavirus was not on the mind at all, except that weekend, the first U.S. case of coronavirus was reported in Chicago, where we were. And so it was on the news, and we were, you know, we were at the bar. I remember seeing that news story and um, not really thinking much of it hoping, uh, you know, we didn't get it, but not worried about it at all. Um, 
So fast forward to February 29th. That was the last show we played. It was Leap Day. We were opening for RJD2. Show was one of the best shows we've gotten to play in terms of the crowd. I mean, that was one of the most packed rooms we've had the opportunity to play for. And, um, yeah, that was awesome. And that was still, you know, that was not, not big news that the coronavirus was not really even, nobody's really concerned about it. At least it didn't seem that way. Um, but right after that show, you know, things started to accelerate and, um, kind of slowly started to hear more and more about it. And so fast forward to the last, the last podcast I, I did, uh, it was March 11th or 12, March 11th. Um, it was a Wednesday. The day after that, I remember Thursday, that was when everything really intensified. And that was the day that all the sports got canceled and all these bands, these big bands were making announcements that they were canceling their shows. That was the Thursday, March 12th. And it was at like one day difference. Everything just got 10 times more intense in terms of the response to the situation and, and, you know, the seriousness of it and how serious people were taking it. So that Thursday, yeah, I remember my friend Sean sent a pretty ominous text to our group text message um, about the seriousness of, of the situation and, and, you know, you guys better prepare for it and blah, blah, blah. Because he, he works, I'm not exactly sure what he does, but he, he's involved in like food, food safety or, or food supply chain or something like that in a position where he was getting, he, he got some information, I guess, before it became public that this was going to be a lot more serious than people thought. And, you know, people need to prepare to quarantine and not leave their house and stuff like that which even still when i read that in the morning i was like not really sure what to think of it but you know pretty much once the sports leagues canceled their seasons uh that was that was kind of a big eye opener because that that's such a huge industry that i just could not imagine that happening so that definitely made things seem different than perhaps the swine flu or the avian bird flu or SARS or any of these other pandemics that kind of bubbled up but never never got to a point where it was affecting everybody on this level. So, yeah, seeing the sports canceled, seeing one band after another cancel their shows um started to get very the reality of that of the situation started to sink in and it continued to sink in more and more 
throughout that week, the following week. And um, as venues started to just cancel all their shows and uh, the, the grocery stores, I was amazed that at how fast those got cleaned out. Um, pretty much in one day on that Thursday, if you, yeah, for the next couple weeks, you couldn't, you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere except for, you know, I found some at the gas station and, but yeah, it was not on the shelf, at least where I live in Southside for, it felt like weeks. Chicken was completely gone. I don't eat chicken though, so it didn't matter to me. Frozen progies, people went for those. But um, yeah, even rice was gone for a little bit. So that was kind of interesting, kind of uh, unexpected and a little bit of a reality check that these things could happen that quickly. Because when I, you know, when I go to a grocery store, it looks like there's so much in there and they've got like a stock room with the, it just was very surprising to see it all go that fast. Fortunately, it's not like there's a food shortage. People were just panic buying, which was a term I had never heard before, but, you know, made sense. Um, and it's kind of a chain reaction thing because when people see other people doing that and they see things start to become unavailable, then, then, you know, their reaction is, uh Oh, if I don't get some now, it'll be gone and I won't get any. So everybody's just doing that. And, uh, but luckily that has settled down and it's pretty, pretty back to normal. But you know, that was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. Um, I guess a little taste of, I don't know, like that's just something we're so used to here in the United States and first world countries probably is, you know, just being able to get whatever you want at any time. And then got a little taste of, you know, well, if you want certain things, you have to go at a certain time or you have to go to a certain place farther away, or you might not be able to get it at all. So that was, that was interesting. <clears throat> so yeah we had a couple we had a couple big big things lined up that got canceled um the first thing to go was i was going to dj at the ascend members party on saturday march 14th that was the first thing to get canceled um and that was still at a time when i was like you know are things really going to keep getting canceled like um the severity, uh, the seriousness of the situation still was not fully set in, in my mind. And so, yeah, that, that got canceled. And then two days after that, our, our Thunderbird show got canceled, which that was going to take place on Thursday, March 26th. Um, that was going to be the first headlining show that we've ever kind of curated and put together. And, um, so I was in a really weird spot. Uh, I was trying to promote the show, 
you know, I didn't feel like I should stop promoting a show until I got a definite cancellation um, from the venue. Um, so I was continuing to try and get people to come to it as things were getting canceled left and right um, and trying to mentally stay prepared to play unless it gets canceled. And we were all kind of feeling like that was the way it was headed, but even still, like nobody really knew how far it was going to go, but yeah, it, it, it did get canceled. And a couple days after that, another show got, or we had a show lined up to open, uh, on a Friday, Friday, May 1st, we were going to open for Papadozio, which was, that's a big deal to us because, you know, back in 2012, 2013, we, saw a lot of Papadozio and had some very formative and just awesome times, uh, seeing them play at, at the workout and the all good. And so it was going to be, you know, we're really looking forward to having that opportunity. We've never played with them before. Haven't gotten a chance to meet them in a professional setting. Um, fortunately that show is rescheduled for December so it didn't just get canceled. It got rescheduled. However, now there's, you know, I saw that article about someone saying, you know, we're not going to have large gatherings until fall of 2021. But it's unclear uh, if that includes shows, you know, shows. I, I know it, it seemed to be speaking more of like large festivals but, um, yeah, who knows what, what it'll be, you know, you know, if there's like a 500 person show, you know, is that, would that be included in that fall of 2021? That's just a, boy, that's such a long haul, 18 months almost. I, I don't know, something like that. So anyway, hopefully we'll get to play that show, but. Um, yeah, we were looking forward to that one, <clears throat> you know, uh, shortly after that dome fest got canceled. We were going to play on dome fest this year, which is the pigeons playing ping pong. It's their festival in West Virginia. And last year we got to play and it was really awesome. Um, it's like they, they keep it pretty small, but they bring in a bunch of really great musicians and, we got to see a lot of musicians that we have had a lot of great experiences listening to and uh, found inspiration in. And we've, you know, we got to have uh, great show viewing experiences, like being up close. And then, you know, being able to interact with these people and, and connect with some of the people who have inspired us, you know, backstage um or in the in the vip area it was awesome and so we were really looking forward to this year <clears throat> and unfortunately that didn't get rescheduled that's just canceled until next year so hopefully we'll be invited back next year and then um we were we were 
signed to play electric forest this year and they were we were going to be in the second lineup announcement which they were getting ready to make whenever all this stuff happened um so we were excited about that opportunity to get to go back and play at electric forest this time as a full band you know having kind of seasoned our set a, a good amount uh we were looking forward to that unfortunately it looks like that's just going to be canceled as well and not rescheduled um so hopefully they'll uh, hopefully we'll we'll get invited to the next one so yeah there's a it's really shaking things up but you know not nearly as much for me and us in my household our household um as it probably has for for some other people because we're we're all fortunate enough to be able to work from home right now at least for now i i can still do work from home although you know hollywood sets are closing and i i think they're i don't know if they're still filming shows and i'm sure there's a lot of footage that people are still editing but i I'm not sure if they're still doing, if they're still like shooting uh, TV shows right now. So it's possible that in a certain amount of months, you know, there will be a lot less to work on. <clears throat> so for now, day-to-day -day life for me hasn't changed much because I normally work from home. But the only difference is now, you know, there's a lot less social interaction I can't go to shows, jam with people, um, or go to Double Wide right next to my house and uh, just get out there. But in general, it's it's pretty pretty similar. Uh, and I have to say that I am definitely enjoying all the free time and enjoying the complete uh, lack of obligations and, and pressure, which I do feel, I, I was starting to feel a lot of pressure from just the, the shows coming up and uh, kind of a little bit, yeah, just, just feeling a little stressed about that. So that is all, that is all gone. Uh, because there is no live music to be played right now. So, yeah, some of the big shows being canceled, that was disappointing. But definitely enjoying the, yeah, just the, the free time and the no-pressure environment. Um, honestly, haven't felt bored. Uh, maybe a little socially... Um, socially unstimulated but fortunately i live with uh my brother and or one of our best friends so uh, i'm sure it's a much different challenge for someone who lives alone during this time so how am i occupying my time and and like what am i thinking about doing when this is over um 
Hold on. Need a drink here. So, I've been wanting to make some, some music videos for Crystal Coast, that, that beachy, surfy album I was talking about earlier. Been wanting to make some music videos for it using all this spare GoPro footage I have from over the years of our beach, my family's like beach vacations, just a way to kind of do something with that kind of like a little little yearbook music video kind of a just a documentary uh something to watch later and kind of reminisce on uh those times also got some surfing footage from from my cousin dylan who's who's a young surfer who's uh is really really good at what he does and excited to have some actual surfing footage of a family member to use in this music. I've been working on some music for a documentary um, that my friend Andrew is, is making. Um, that's That hasn't taken up too much time, but I've done a couple ideas for it. I don't know if they'll get used or not, but that's one thing I've been working on. Been trying to um, get better at producing house music, like tech house. I guess you would call it tech house, uh, or kind of like that 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 house music. That's it's not like based around chordal movement and, and melody. It's more atonal and just like tribal and rhythmic and. Um, that's such an unnatural style of music for me to make. It's uh, definitely been very challenging because when you listen to it, it's very repetitive, but, and it's very simple. There's not a lot of stuff going on, but the way that it's kind of modulated and the parts kind of the, the effects and like the way they modulate the energy and it's, and this kind of sounds they get, it's been really <laughs> a lot more challenging than I expected to make like a tech house beat that doesn't sound too repetitive and that, that still has like, it keeps my interest. It's really tough. And just the way, the way that the way the music, uh, that style of music is mixed is, is way different than what I normally do. Um, there's almost no snare. It's like all kick and, and instead of a snare, there's like a high end, like just like a lot of times just kick and clap. Um, whereas a lot of the music that I gravitate towards normally has like a fat snare, <clears throat> like a beat with a fat snare or like a really present snare, powerful snare. And, and, and this is like house music and tech house, the kind of stuff that I've been listening to. It's like very kick oriented. So I'm trying to listen to more to kind of, I think I just need to listen to more to wrap my head around it. Um, but yeah, whenever I listen to a good mix, uh, you know, it's always, I, I like it a lot. Um, so I'm trying to wrap my head around that. It's something I would like to 
be able to produce and, and DJ. Although I'm still kind of trying to figure out what style of like electronic music I would want to specialize in because right now, you know, I do whatever style comes to mind in the moment. So, but, but like I was talking about earlier with kind of having a direction or a vision, um, and that making it easier to make progress. I, I want to do that with a certain style of electronic music and kind of really and get ingrained in that and, um, explore, you know, deeply into one style, uh, at least maybe not for chalk dinosaur, but for, for something, maybe a, yeah, alter, alter ego. Aside from that, um, you know, we are still planning a full band album. The last album that we released with you, um, the name of it with you, that was a full band album, but that wasn't the full band album that we were planning on releasing. Um, we still have a handful of ideas that we're trying to record and release, uh, at some point, you know, as the next thing we do. So it'll kind of depend on when the studios open back up because I really want to try and do this one live in a studio, at least the bulk of it, like the, uh, the rhythm elements, guitar, bass, rhythm, guitar, as much of it live as we can do. And then maybe save the solos or vocals or some, some of the trickier stuff, save that for at, at home. But even if we could just get drums and bass live together, it would be, and, and like a rhythm guitar, that would make a big difference. I mean, I think, yeah, during this time, what, what has it been like? I've been sleeping a lot. I've been relaxing a lot. Um, obviously been making a lot of music, but definitely sleeping and relaxing a lot. I've been kind of reading. I read a book, <laughs> a fiction book. It was like the first fiction book I've read in a long time. Um, what did it, was it? It was Gregor the Underlander or Gregor the Overlander. It was Suzanne Collins' first book, who was the author of The Hunger Games and that was like the last fiction book that I got super absorbed in. So I thought I'd try out her first book and I mean, it kept my attention enough to get to the end, but it wasn't, you know, super gripping, but enough for me to keep reading all the way to the end, which is, it's kind of hard for me to find those kinds of books where I, it keeps my interest enough to make it through to the end. So we'll see what happens. I, after that, I, I just started, Handmaid's Tale. I don't know. I'm just like picking at random here. Um, and there's definitely, I, I've gotten a lot more into nonfiction as an adult, just reading like either biographies or like self-help or psychology books or philosophy books. And I, I've, I, I like those, but I've, I've missed the way that fiction can capture and like activate your imagination and you know, you create the world that you're reading, you create it in your mind and 
I just remember when you get really engaged in a story and a, a, a well-written, well, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter how well-written it is. If you're really engaged in a fiction book, um, that's like a more detailed, more experiential experience. Like, um, that's like a stronger experience than, you know, watching a movie or something like that. Have like being absorbed in a world that like your mind has created. You haven't created it because you're, you know, the author created it, but like you're like manifesting it in your mind and therefore you get really sucked into it whenever, whenever a story like absorbs you. So I'm, I miss that and I'm, I'm trying to do that more. Practicing now would be a great time to practice, but to be honest, I'm, I'm not doing it. Um, I definitely played a lot when I was working on the albums that were released in March, definitely played a lot, but, um, in terms of like a structured practice for my instruments, I haven't done that. Um, yeah, the only thing I've, I've really consistently practiced is like production, I guess, like record, making recordings. It's kind of the way it's always, always been. And the, the practice comes through making the recordings. Not ideal, but you know, there's only so much time in a day. But, you know, here I am making excuses. I've definitely been spending a lot of time, really been battling my phone, the internet, TV, really been more challenging not getting sucked into those things during this time. Um, so yeah, definitely an ongoing struggle with digital distractions. And, you know, I've kind of let myself indulge a good bit. Uh, the only thing I've really kept on track with is producing music and exercise. Everything else has gone completely inconsistent, especially my sleep. The sleep was, it got out of whack before the coronavirus stuff. And, uh, and then once everything, once the stay at home order was in place, then yeah, definitely didn't help. Um, it just, it, it's interesting cause it didn't change like how I should be waking up and going to sleep. But so yeah, something happened where my body just, uh, shifted towards a nocturnal mode and I've definitely, I've tried a lot to reverse that and, and get back to the early to bed, early to rise schedule, but my body is rejecting that. And, um, despite, uh, my efforts to correct it, it, it usually ends up back at very late bedtime, very late sleeping in, um, which I'm in a fortunate position where that's, not a problem. Like, that's okay. I can still do the work that I need to do. But it is a little bit of, it doesn't have a good psychological effect. Uh, 
and the quality of sleep isn't as good because a lot of times it's broken up, you know, like last night I tried to go to bed at 10.30. No, before, yeah, like 10, 10.30. I think I slept for like two hours and then I woke up and, you know, then was, couldn't go back to sleep. Um, this happened, has been happening frequently where I'll, I'll like go to bed early, like, all right, I'm right on track. I wake up maybe like one o'clock, two o'clock, and then can't go back to sleep until maybe six o'clock and then like six in the morning and then sleeping till, I don't know. It just gets, uh, gets pretty messed up. Yeah. I tried to record this episode of the podcast last night when I was up and couldn't sleep and probably going to throw that one out and I'm re-recording it now. I was in a weird, weird place. All right. So I guess there's, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, um, before I end this episode. I'm going to take a drink, and then I'll tell you what that is. I wanted to talk about doubt and managing self-doubt and my experience with with that. Uh, as an artist or musician, and most likely any anybody doing anything... Uh, doubt seems to have a constant presence, at least for me, I guess. I can only speak from my perspective, but doubt uh, in my pursuit of a career in music as an artist, doubt is a constant thing. Um, and it just is comes in waves and it, it varies in, in intensity. Uh, the career path of an artist or musician, at least for me, it feels like bushwhacking in the jungle because I can't see what's ahead. Um, it's low visibility and it, it seems like everybody has to take a unique path and kind of forge their own way. The same thing could be said for, you know, life in general, everybody's got their own path, but in terms of a career, Music is very, uh, there's no set path. It's not like you join a company and you're on a career path and then you, everything's laid out. Um, I, I have no idea what is coming next and I, what to do. So there's a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty, you know, can be stressful and stress is, you know, stressful times are usually what is usually when, uh, doubt starts to creep in whenever I'm in stressed about the future. Um, whenever I'm thinking about the future and unsure of what's going to happen and what I should be doing, that's when doubt starts to creep in. And It, it comes in waves and um, it's all, all just, you know, it's always just managing doubt in some degree. 
but sometimes, you know, that's not on my mind at all. But um, for sure, there are strong waves of it that come uh, and they go. And I've been through the cycle of doubt a ton of times, just constantly in that cycle since I started trying to pursue this career and kind of make a life out of music. And I mean, so far in my experience, the best thing I've found to do whenever I get hit with a strong wave of doubt, you know, doubt about, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? Am I doing the things I need to be doing? Am I being too complacent? Um, you know, what do I even want in my life, uh, professionally, like as a career and just in general, um, whenever I start to get doubts about all that stuff and it starts to hit me very strong, um, usually the best thing for me to do has been just to wait, um, just to, you know, acknowledge the feeling, pay attention to it, uh, kind of just try to detach though and observe the feeling. Don't make any rash decisions and just wait. And, you know, every time so far the feeling dissipates, you know, when I just wait and, and don't, don't kind of like buy into it and, and engage with it and feed that feeling when if I, if I just kind of wait and see, um, what happens, sleep on it, you know, <clears throat> It usually goes away. And um, so it's hard to kind of tell the difference sometimes between doubt based out of stress or fear and doubt based out of, you know, do you really, you know, what do you really feel like in is right for you? So usually I've just been kind of just waiting. I'm like, well, if, if the feeling persists, um, then I'll, you know, take it more seriously, but until it, you know, if it just goes away, like it usually does, then, you know, I'm not going to act on that. I'm just going to wait and see, see how I feel in a, in a day, in a week, in a month. Uh, and you know, if it, if, if it continues to persist, then I'll, uh, address it. And usually, yeah, it, it usually coincides with stress. So if if there's a period of time where I've got a lot of stuff for work mixed with a lot of stuff for the band, or if there's a time when there's uh, a bunch of shows and then some of the shows are just two two-man shows, which are different, we play different music for that when it's just me and Nick versus when it's the full band and then there's like when there's like a big collection of different stuff happening at the same time and I kind of get worn out from from that <clears throat> or like yeah pressure of being prepared uh, starts to get to me those are the times when I start to question you know you know do how how much do I want to do this and the antidote for for that is usually action. Um, 
like when, you know, if I get anxious before a show or nervous or stressed out about a show, usually the root of that stress is fear of being unprepared. That is really the root of it. It, it seems like, you know, it, the more prepared I am and the more confident I am in, in what is going to happen, the less stress I feel from it. And I've also noticed that, you know, if I sit and think about these feelings of doubt and kind of like entertain these feelings, uh, that kind of like feeds them and strengthens them. It doesn't really help usually. And what helps usually is, you know, if I just play an instrument, um, if I just play guitar, bass, keyboards, just like if I can do something to get into the flow state where I'm just um, kind of not thinking and just playing, um, I start to feel a lot more empowered in in the situation, you know, start to feel more like, okay, this is why I do this because I like the way this feels. Um, so that's always a, a way to kind of get out of the kind of anxiety ridden land of doubt where you're just, where I'm just, you know, analyzing things, looking too far into the future, um, kind of speculating <clears throat> too much instead of just focusing on what, what can I do right now? And what's interesting, what's really interesting is that so many times uh, when the waves of doubt that I'm feeling are the strongest, those are the times whenever I'll receive a random message from somebody, a stranger usually, a complete stranger, writing like a really encouraging message. And this has happened many times where I'm really, really doubting my direction and my path and my abilities and just everything. And then I will, I'll get a really encouraging email or, or message from someone who, you know, coincidentally happens to write to me, uh, about either, you know, the music having a positive impact in their life or just like how much they, you know, appreciate it or, or something like completely unprovoked, you know, that, that just encourages me to carry on and continue. And it's really amazing, uh, how often that has happened where the right words reach me at the right time. And the same thing has happened with events. I'll be, you know, feeling discouraged or, um, you know, going through this strong wave of doubt or something, you know, feeling like on the, on the brink of just, uh, you know, giving up and, and giving up trying to make a career out of this and just doing something else. Um, and then 
getting some kind of offer to do something really cool. Like the, one of the times that happened was I was feeling that way, kind of considering just like starting to think about, well, maybe I should just, you know, do something else. Like this is, I I was just feeling discouraged. And uh, then we got invited to play electric forest and which was like a dream come true. And so hundred percent wanted to do that. And, you know, that gave me kind of a target back to that topic of target and vision and clarity that gave a clear objective, you know, be ready for this performance, do everything you can to do a good job for this. And so that informed all of my decisions and how to spend my time leading up to that. And, you know, I knew what I had to do and that's a good feeling when you know what you have to do, when you have a direction and you know what steps to take, that's a good feeling. So, and that's happened many other times too, where rejuvenating occurrences happen at perfectly timed, uh, you know, perfectly timed ways makes me, you know, just wonder about the the whole connectedness of everything and, and what is, and it's just so crazy that sometimes the, the coincidences are just too perfect to not start thinking that there's something going on there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Having, having a vision or target to work towards uh, is so helpful because then you know what you need to do. And knowing what you need to do is a good feeling. And it can be stressful. Uh, it can be a stressful feeling to not know what you need to do. And as a musician, as somebody who's trying to forge a career uh, as a musician and artist, there is tons of that feeling of not knowing what you need to do, at least for me, not knowing, uh, you know, just so much uncertainty, um, so many options, you know, for, uh, it's completely unguided, uh, journey. So yeah, developing some kind of vision or clarity is, I think that would really help a lot. Um, but I think to, to develop that, you know, it takes attention. Uh, it's so easy to drift through my days in a reactive state. Living in a purely reactive state uh, leads to the feeling of being out of control for me. And um, obviously, there are a huge amount of things that are completely out of our control. But the way we live uh, and the actions that we take are things that we have complete control over and uh, taking control of those things feels good. Um, I'd really like the river analogy. Uh, So if I'm living in a reactive state, um, it feels like I'm in a boat being carried by the current, uh, the momentum of life, at the mercy of the flow. But 
um, if I'm taking control of the things that I can, it feels uh, more like I'm paddling. I'm still in the flow of the river, but um, I'm paddling. I'm controlling how I navigate the river. And if you've ever been canoeing or rafting through rapids, uh, controlling how you navigate that, um, how you navigate that turbulence uh, makes the difference between getting through the turbulence or, or flipping over and potentially drowning. Like you're still going down the river in that direction. You're not going to change that, but you can change kind of how you hit the, the turbulent parts. And, and it just feels, uh, very clearly what, what it, it feels like whenever, um, I start to pay attention to and control the things that I can versus when I'm just, as I said before, living in a reactive state, kind of just going with the flow, taking things like right as they happen and, and not being ahead, but, you know, just going with the flow. So, I mean, one of the most helpful people that I turn to for guidance when I start to feel discouraged, um, powerless, uh, drifting, or lost uh, is Jocko Willink. Um, his simple message of taking responsibility for the things you can control and taking action, that always leaves me with a feeling of hope and motivation. Um, it definitely helps to ground me if I'm getting too absorbed in thinking and overanalyzing and doubting and all that stuff. Um, it helps to ground me and take me out of that. And it, it, uh, you know, gives me a more of a feeling of that, you know, I can do this. All I, all I need to do is identify a target and be decisive and take action towards that target and, um, you know, correct course along the way. Um, because I think for my, maybe at least for most of my life, uh, hesitation, I think that's one of my biggest weaknesses. Um, and that's probably why I gravitate, uh, towards Jocko's message so much. So if you're ever feeling, if that feels like it might be interesting or helpful to you at all, check out his message on the internet and podcast and he's written books and um yeah so uncovering and, and cultivating the vision is is something that i feel like it it'll take a lot of effort towards paying attention and and trying to be aware um you know i used to feel like you know just used to expect vision and clarity would just come to me unprovoked. But um, I feel that in order to see, uh, I need to be looking. And the more I look, the more I'll be able to see. So all of this talk about vision and direction and, I guess, goals and stuff like that, there's definitely a balance with it that I that I feel like needs to be balanced. Uh, balancing vision, targets, goals, direction, uh, you need to balance that with 
being present and appreciating and enjoying life in, in its present state. Because um, I definitely see how if you get too hyper-focused on future goals and stuff like that, you could, it could hamper your ability to enjoy where you're at right now. And so I definitely am trying to, and I do really enjoy what my life is like right now. So it's kind of a, it's an odd balance to kind of, life is good right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, I want to be going towards something and, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is. Um, which is the hard part, you know, if you know where you're going and you can figure out how to get there. If you don't know where you're going then you're kind of just wandering until you find something cool and I guess that's what's going on right now. Um, kind of just taking things as they come, but it would be nice to have a stronger direction to, to go towards, to be able to know where to place the next brick, um, to move forward, uh, to know what the next step should be. Yeah, I guess that's that's about uh, all I really have to say. Hope you guys and girls, people out there are healthy and staying occupied and entertained and hope, hope you all are finding ways to make the most of this situation and are finding ways to enjoy it. Um, I hope that uh, if you need help, you're receiving the help that you need. Um, yeah, looking forward to being able to see people again. Uh, I guess uh, now's that time when I stop the video stop the sound recorder and go downstairs and uh, eat 600 pounds of pasta and uh, first I liquefy it in a blender I just put the pasta cold pasta into the blender and I I cover it in sauce cold sauce clam sauce and uh, I blend it up into a liquid consistency and I, I, I pour that onto a hot griddle and uh, the hot griddle turns it into these pancake-like things, like a pasta cake. It's like a, a pasta pancake. And um, then I take those and I make a stack of them. I, I cut them up and it's like a sauce-filled pancake, a savory pancake. And um, I guess that's that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to kind of eat about 600 pounds of pasta, pasta cakes, and, um, no, I don't eat that much pasta. Pasta is the go-to for me whenever I have not prepared ahead, because it's so fast and easy, and I love it. But yeah, that's definitely it. Uh-oh, I didn't figure out what I was going to do until I'm starving kind of food. So 
try not to eat too much pasta, but, you know, I love pasta. Y'all heard Pasta Boy, the song? Pasta Boy. Hmm. Maybe some of you have. It's a song I made about pasta. Anyway. Yeah. I'm done here. Uh, hope you guys have a good weekend. Pasta brings me good joy. That's why I have here the golden pasta boy.